you know, what's really important is how your customers talk about you to other people, right? Your reputation um, and how you can, how you can have a positive uh, change and, and affect that. Buyer behavior isn't the same, and the old sales funnel is no longer relevant. So Square2 Marketing is smashing the funnel and encouraging businesses to think differently about their approach to marketing, sales, customer service, and revenue generation. Join us for season one of Smash the Funnel, the podcast. With our amazing lineup of industry experts, we'll introduce you to the new cyclonic buyer journey, and we'll provide insights and tips on how to optimize your business's approach to sales and marketing. And now for your host, Mike Lieberman, CEO and Chief Revenue Scientist at Square2 Marketing. Hey everybody, welcome to episode seven of Smash the Funnel. Uh, today, we're going to talk about rationalization, what prospects are looking for at this stage in the cycle. And um, in the last episode, if you remember, we talked to Tyler Lersard, VP of Marketing at Vidyard. He gave us some really good nuggets on how to leverage video to help prospects feel safe, um, which as you know, if you've been following along, that means getting them to know, like, and trust you in the middle and towards the end of the buyer journey, specifically during the evaluation stage. Today, we're really happy to be joined by Kyle Racky, CEO at Proposify, one of the top proposal software companies, and he seems like the perfect guest to talk about getting prospects who are in the rationalization stage over the last hump and actually winning the business. So Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mike, glad to be here. Cool, awesome, so let's just get right into it. So Kyle, this stage in the buyer journey, this rationalization stage, just for the listeners who are following along at home, this is where people need to have all their I's dotted and their T's crossed. They need to know all the gory details around the contractual obligations before they can sign their name. Uh, a lot of people don't really consider this a stage at all, but. Our research and experience has shown that you can win or lose deals here. And if your agreement is too legal or your terms are too strict, people might think you're going to be difficult to work with. And that is not the feeling you want them to have when you're trying to get them to sign their name on the bottom line, which you know really is the ultimate goal here. So we're going to talk about all that today. I'm sure you have some interesting perspectives on that. So if we could start... Um, give us a little bit about your background, how you ended up at Proposify, and help our listeners understand, you know, what, uh, why the agreement and the contract and the proposal and the recommendations, deck, however you're giving them your kind of final thoughts. Why is that so important? Sure. Um, yeah. So I guess a little bit about me for uh, people who haven't heard of me or Proposify. Um, I actually started off in the agency world. Uh, I ran a web design agency for five years. Uh, I was a designer kind of by trade and, and that's what I had done. But uh, I, had, I always actually had the idea for proposal software from my own, my own pain of writing proposals, both designing them at, at agencies that I worked at and then uh, from my own agency. And, um, you know, eventually started experimenting with a side side projects at the agency that I was running called Headspace. Um, we started working on Proposify kind of internally and got it to a point where we wanted to, we kind of had to jump off and, and focus on it or just let it die. So uh, ended up selling the agency off in 2014, raised a small seed round for Proposify 
And then we've been running it ever since. Um, we started growing quickly by the end of 2014. And now we are uh, privileged to help over 6,000 companies around the world streamline their proposal process and uh, get some of their time back from writing proposals. That's awesome. Really good. And definitely something a lot of people need, no question about it. So let's start at the macro level. Uh, tell me what you and your team see going on in the world that's affecting buyer journeys and buyer behaviors, sales, marketing, uh, and revenue generation in general. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's it's a, a broad question, but I, you know, if I stop and think about it, I, I guess there's a, there's a big move to automate everything, right? Um, sales automation, marketing automation, uh, everybody wants to uh, pixel you and retarget you on Facebook and all that stuff certainly is uh, effective. But I think that there's sometimes a little bit too much of a focus on the math side of marketing and not enough on the stuff that's really timeless, the stuff that doesn't change like, you know, brand, you know, you, you didn't buy a, that pair of Nike sneakers because you got pixeled and retargeted and hit a landing page, right? And, and filled out a, a, get entered into a funnel. So, I mean, all that stuff is important, but I think, you know, what's really important is how your customers talk about you to other people, right? Your reputation um, and how you can, how you can have a positive uh, change and, and affect that. Yeah, cool. Um, <clears throat> we work with a lot of clients and <clears throat> we help them, with pretty much click to close. So we're often discussing what they're giving to prospects at the end of the buyer journey. And in a lot of cases, it could be a proposal or it could be a PowerPoint deck or it could be a Word document. And lots of, in a lot of cases, we find that they don't really understand how to position that document in order to get the business. So we find that they, their, their contracts are too legal or their proposals are heavily weighted towards them and, and talking about themselves as opposed to what they can do for the prospective customer. So what do you see that people are doing wrong in this back end of the buyer journey and how would you recommend they try to fix some of those issues? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of what you had just mentioned, I think uh, rings true that proposals often are do have too much uh, legal jargon in them. Um, and what a lot of people actually like to do is they like to get sign off on a proposal first, that's high level. And right. then from there kind of go into more statement of work. Cause I mean, you have to protect yourself, I guess, with, uh, with legal terms and, and maybe it's a service level agreement or whatever statement of work contract that details exactly what the client will get. But that can sometimes wait until after they've already given it sort of a high level approval. Um, like what you said about uh, people talking too much about themselves. I know agencies certainly fall into that trap a lot yep. about them and their core values and the awards that they've won and they're the best. Um, but really what prospects really like to see in a proposal is how are you going to solve my problem? Right. Um, and, and making sure that you very clearly articulate what, you know, your understanding of what the client's problem is how you're going to solve it, what you're going to, you know, your approach to solving their problem is going to be and, and what results or benchmarks you expect. That's really what clients want to see in a proposal. Um, and it's important to kind of walk them through that as opposed to just making it all about price. It's not just a pricing table they're looking at. And that's where clients tend to go first. That's where their eyes go first. Yeah. Our experience has also been, you know, typically, especially today, 
there are longer sales cycles. Uh, prospects are, are definitely dealing with a lot more information to digest and there's been a lot of research on the amount of people involved in the buying process is, is, is much more uh, extensive now than it used to be. I think so, I saw some data somewhere, where I think it was Accenture published that there's like 6.4 people involved in the typical, you know, enterprise buying cycle. So that's a lot of people that have to get your information. And, um, and they, and they all have different motivations too. Right. Right. They do. And, 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 and a long sales cycle with a lot of different people, uh, it's hard to keep their attention over that period of time. So typically what we see happens is they're now ready to make that decision and they're looking at three proposals in front of them. And in a lot of cases, that proposal now becomes like the, the most significant tool in helping them remember what was discussed or helping them understand the differences between their options. And mm-hmm. so ultimately, sometimes what seems kind of like a non-event, well, I, I gave you the proposal, becomes the event when it gets down to actually making a choice, right? Do you, do you find that sim- similarly? Yeah, you know, it always depends on on the industry and, and the size of the deal. Because like you said, enterprise deals are multi-threaded and they typically involve a lot of people along the way. Um, you know, the head of IT who needs to approve, you know, the security uh, considerations in your proposal, you know, he or she may have completely different uh, motivations and wants and needs than maybe the, the head of marketing that you first pitched. And have so you seen to, any? Have you seen any of your customers or heard about anybody doing different proposals for different people based on their their own, like you said, backstory and goals and objectives? I don't really see it so much with the documents as much as the conversations are are very right. important at that stage. You know, uh, making especially at enterprise companies and and enterprise accounts it's really more about making people, making your buyer look good to their boss more so than, you know, helping them generate more revenue. Like when we're selling to the founder of a small company, their motivations are generally going to be, how do I, you know, cut costs? How do I increase my revenue? Um, Somebody who's, like I said, the IT director at a large fortune 5,000, you know, they're like, how do I not get fired? How do I, you know, look like I made a smart decision. So how you approach that is going to be so different. True. Have you seen any interesting or innovative approaches to how some of your clients are using proposals to maybe close more deals or or close them more quickly? I, you know, this isn't really even anything um, groundbreaking, but I think that far too often people get in the habit of whether they're using proposal software or not, um, just sending the proposal along with an email that says, Hey, check out a proposal, check out our proposal. Let me know what you think. And I think that's, that's the biggest mistake and the easiest to solve yeah, is get on the phone. You. Don't yep. send the proposal until you're on a phone call and you can walk them through it. It's, yeah. a, it's a big reason why deals go cold is because either the prospect never opened their proposal or they, um, saw it, looked at the price and, uh, you know, something spooked them and you'll never know what that is because you weren't talking to them. Yeah, I think that's great advice. It's also one of the things I like about your product is you get to see when they open it, you get to see that they're reading it and how much time they're spending on each of those sections. Uh, but I agree completely. That's advice we give our our clients quite frequently is walk them through it. Uh, all your points are really valid. We also find that, you know, again, if your objective is to get them to feel safe, which you kind of alluded to that in a lot of people, they're just trying not to get fired, right? It's very 
it's very similar. Like, am I going to be okay career-wise if I hire this company is kind of what they're thinking. So you don't want to give them an opportunity where they might be uncomfortable or nervous about something in the proposal. And if you send it and they just read it on their own, they may not understand something. They may have questions and that all generally leads to them being uncomfortable and, and not feeling safe. If you can walk them through it, you can explain to them what you meant. You can answer any questions on the spot. Uh, you know, if there's some you know, nuance to the language that was used, you can clear that up also. And when they're finally finished reviewing it with you, they should feel really good about what's in there enough to be able to represent it within their company or you know, uh, feel good about the upcoming meeting when you're gonna present it. So I, I think that is really good advice for people to consider when they're trying to decide the sales process around uh, proposals and recommendations at the back end of the buyer journey here. Mm -hmm. Now, there are a lot of different proposal software tools and there's even substitute products in this space. I mean, you know, you can do your recommendations in PowerPoint and send it over. So what do you think some of the key features or benefits uh, that prospects should be looking for if they're considering a, a proposal software product? Yeah, I think that there's there's definitely a growing market now for proposal software that's really sprung up in the last few years and companies like us, Proposify and others have been, um, you know, coming out with solutions for different, different size of customers for sure. There's a lot of small market tools that are really good for freelancers and, and tiny companies. And then there's, um, a, a Proposify tends to work better for larger sales teams. So I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, what does your existing proposal process look like and how could it be simplified? Because if sending PowerPoint documents uh, over email is working for you, I recommend people don't change that. But usually the reason why people want proposal software is because managing all these different sales documents and sales collateral becomes a tedious chore when you spread it across a team. And often what happens is sales reps, uh, they're, they're kind of the cowboys of the uh, business world. They'll just, they'll just do whatever they want to, right? They'll change They'll change the pricing, they'll change the logo, they'll, you know, change the color palette, you know, they'll, they'll do whatever it takes to close a deal. So proposal software is greater for larger teams where they want to streamline the whole document process and make sure that everybody's using the up, most up-to-date terms and conditions or the most up-to-date pricing. Yeah, you also want to try to help those sales reps keep the story straight, right? You can't have rep A saying one thing at the proposal stage and rep B saying something else. You know, we've had... We've had lots of clients where the CEO is sitting in on these meetings and they don't even recognize their own company in the sales meeting because these reps are kind of off, you know, off the reservation, if you will. I don't yeah, think and, and, and just the content, right? The content creation of um, if you're if you're just using Google Docs or you're you have a Dropbox folder with, you know, 100 different Word documents in it. And then you're like, well, OK, we wrote this really great piece on branding for uh uh, for Coke back in, you know, two years ago, where is that thing? Like I want to copy and paste that little bit of text that we used. I haven't, you know, I have no idea where it is. So it's just kind of like the, you know, the process of putting proposals together is so painful for a lot of people that that's why I see there, there being a, a growing market and a growing need for people wanting software to help make that easier. Um, and then also, you know, there's the whole delivery angle of like actually, you know, delivering a great experience to your clients and not having them just open up a, 10 meg uh, PDF in their, in their email. 
Yeah, I totally agree about the experience thing. We, we talk very frequently about experience mapping the sales process and this, this proposal, this recommendation stage that gets delivered is a big part of that experience. So uh, we, in this podcast series, we've been talking a lot about kind of the stages of the buyer journey and the tactics that get deployed in those stages. But we've also been talking a lot about um, metrics and technology. So you kind of covered the technology piece. There's a lot of proposal software that people can consider, but I wanted to talk a little bit about metrics. What metrics do you recommend listeners consider when they're evaluating the success and performance of their proposals? Uh, for example, you give people access to um, the parts they view and how long they spend on those sections. So, I mean, I've always wondered is someone who's spending a lot of time on a section, is that a good thing because they, they care about it or is that a bad thing because they don't understand it and they keep rereading it? I, I never really knew how to interpret that data. So maybe you could help me with that and also share some other kind of metrics that we should be looking at to, to know whether this stage of our buyer journey is effective or not. Mm, yeah. Well, <clears throat> As far as, as far as time spent on a section, I, I would never really consider that a bad thing. If somebody's spending a lot of time rereading something, um, it means it, it matters to them. It's important. Um, and they're thinking about it. So it's definitely a, a good sign that you should have a phone call and talk about, um, that section in particular, what, you know, uh, is there anything you're unsure about? Do you have any questions? I would only view it as, that as a good thing. The, your biggest enemy of course, in sales is apathy. Right. Is, this isn't that necessarily necessary. I don't need this right now. Um, you know, like the objection is always somebody just doing nothing. And so the more you can get your, your lead or your prospect engaged and interested in spending time on it, that's, that's always going to be so a good the more thing. engagement, the better really, no matter what. Absolutely. And, and what I've heard from one of our customers, what, uh, what he does is when, you know, so often we get proposals for things from companies and we might not be in the mindset right then to look at it. Maybe we're busy with things, uh, personal business otherwise. Um, but when we are interested in it, when we're like, when we've carved off that 20 minutes or that half hour to look at this thing, you have to strike when the iron is hot. And so what he actually does is he gets a notification on his phone from Proposify and then says, uh, he calls up the client and says, hey, just wondering if you've had a, ch a chance to check out our proposal. The client says, amazing you said that because I actually happen to be looking at it now. And he just says, well, I guess we're just, you know, a match made in heaven. You know, I guess it's a that's sign. A good, that's a good tactic. Does anyone ever make the connection that, that you must know that I'm in the software? And look, I mean, people must be starting to get hip to that at this point, right? Yeah, maybe they will eventually. But for and now, I still like it. I like the idea a lot. It's a little sneaky. No, as far as um, metrics go, I mean, it's the time between when you send it, when they open it, and then I guess from the time when they open it to when they sign it is a, is a good metric to look at. I mean, really what we're talking about is sales cycle. How do we right. shorten the length of your sales cycle? Because it really doesn't matter what the, they're doing in your proposal um, if it doesn't map to how is that deal getting closed? Is revenue being generated? So I know what... <clears throat> Um, and I don't know if you guys have talked about this on another show or not, but sales velocity is a metric that we internally track a lot, um, which is actually the number of opportunities, the deal value times the win rate um, divided by the length of the sales cycle. Hmm. So the, the more you can shorten that sales cycle, the, the more your sales velocity improves. That's an interesting concept. We haven't really talked about that. What is, what is the 
uh, output of a velocity, is that a day's number? Um, it works out to basically like a score. And the, the more you improve, you know, the more you increase that velocity score, uh, let's say it's a thousand, right? You want, you want to see that metric moving every week because you either want more opportunities in the pipeline, you want the value to be higher, you want the win rate or the close percentage to be higher, and you want the sales cycle be sh to be shorter. So if one of those things are moving in the right direction, then it's going to output into a, an increased number. So the bigger the number, the better, right? Yeah. yeah. Can you just walk us through that formula again? That, that sounded interesting. Yeah, for sure. So, and it's actually, I, uh, I think we're going to be coming out with a free calculator for that because it can be a little bit tricky to calculate. Yeah. Um, but basically take your number of opportunities. So if you measure it in week, a weekly basis or a monthly basis, your number of opportunities, you, you multiply that by the deal value. So let's say your average deal value is $10,000. So I, I would take the total number of sales opportunities that I'm working on and multiply that by the average deal value uh, across all my opportunities. Yes. Okay, go ahead. And then you multiply that by your win rate percentage. So if you're, if for every opportunity in the pipeline, 50% close, then you times that by 50. Got and then it. you take that number and you divide it by the length of your sales cycle in days. So if your average sales cycle is 90 days, then that's what you would divide it by. All right, cool. Yeah, um, uh, I'm going to run that for us and see what that looks like. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's helpful because I think if you're, especially if you're growing your team um, and you have one person in particular who's responsible for sales, it's a, it's a good quick snapshot at how you're doing. And, and obviously, if that's going down, then you know you have an issue. And if it's going up, you know that things are kind of trending in the right direction. Absolutely. Cool. Very good. Uh, thank you, Kyle. It was really really insightful and very helpful. So um, we were joined today by Kyle. He's the CEO at Proposify. Thanks for joining us. Uh, in this episode, we really talked a lot about the rationalization stage. In our next episode, we're going to talk about the decision-making stage. After you've gotten the verbal and you worked out all the details and you're just waiting for your signature, you can still blow it there too. So um, all of our listeners should plan on coming back and, and taking a listen to what we're going to talk about in that decision-making stage. Um, we're going to be joined by Matt Sunshine. He's one of the top sales gurus in the space. Matt's a managing partner at Leeds G2 and the Center for Sales Strategy. And he'll give us some really good insight in how to get the final yes and signature on the paper. Uh, Kyle, thanks again for joining us. Really, really appreciate your help. My pleasure, Mike. Thank you. And thanks to all the listeners. This is Mike Lieberman saying, let's smash your funnel today.